Hello and welcome. My name is Sophia Besch and you're listening to the CER podcast. Today I am talking to two of CER's own researchers, Camino Matera Martinez and Christian Odendahl. Camino works on justice and home affairs issues and Christian is our chief economist and they are both calling in from the CER's new Brussels office. Welcome to the podcast. You two have co-authored a longer piece recently, What Free Movement Means to Europe and Why It Matters to Britain. Right, so in her first substantial Brexit speech a couple of weeks ago, Theresa May said that Britain would not be seeking access to the single market because London understands that for the EU the four freedoms are indivisible and because Britain seeks control of migration. Camino, why will EU migration as a consequence of one of the four freedoms, freedom of movement, still matter for Brexit negotiations? It will matter, and it will matter a lot, because there are some 3 million European Union citizens living in the UK, and according to some estimates, 1.2 million Brits living abroad in the EU. Uh, so obviously, both the UK and Brussels will have to agree on what happens with those who are already living elsewhere and what will happen uh, with, with those who move, uh, who will move after Brexit. Because let's not forget that, as Theresa May herself said, uh, the UK is leaving the European Union, but it's not leaving Europe. Um, it's, Europe is still going to be its closest uh, neighbor. And obviously, there will be a lot of people moving in both directions. So um, it's very important for both parties Uh, to understand uh, what migration means to the other uh, so that they can find a, a very good negotiating point uh, to start Brexit talks on existing and future rights of migrants. And where do you see this conversation going? So the conversation about existing and future rights of migrants, will there be some sort of preferential access for British workers in the EU or EU workers in Britain? Well, that's going to be part of the future free trade agreements um, that is going to be negotiated between London and, and Brussels. Um, but obviously, there will need to be some provisions uh, of, about what happens with, with these people. I think there are two options. Uh, either the UK decides to go for quantitative uh, controls, what we call quotas, um, or it decides to apply qualitative controls what we, we would call some sort of a programs uh, benefiting some, some new migrants like high-skilled workers or students or these sort of things. Um, so depending on the, on the controls that the UK decides to apply, I think the European Union will respond accordingly. Uh, because I think that here in Brussels people are basically waiting to see uh, what Theresa May is going to propose and once that happens then the conversation can start. Okay, so before we get into how negotiations will unfold, Christian, I want you to talk a little bit about the economic theory behind all this. So one thing that Brexit Britain and the rest of the EU have not been able to agree on is this very basic idea that free movement of people is necessary for a single market. Could you just walk us through the arguments on that? Yeah, sure. So free movement for, for the European side is an integral part of the single market, which consists also of the free movement of goods, services, capital, and the rights of establishment. And so the basic economic theory of trade uh, says that as long as goods, services, and capital can move freely across borders, um, all wages and prices will be the same as if also labor were allowed to move across borders. So the addition of allowing labor to move across borders does not change anything or doesn't add anything 
in this relatively basic but still well-established economic theory. Workers, migrants, human beings are different from goods, services and capital, right? So in many ways, but one of them being that they bring experience and knowledge with them. So in that context, people have argued in the past that on free movement, we have to go beyond basic economic theory, for example, on trade and services. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. Um, so there, there are some aspects that this uh, trade theory, this basic trade theory ignores. Um, one is that services trade is a, it's a lot easier uh, if we also have free movement. That is in part because some services cannot be shipped, like uh, construction. You know, you cannot ship a building, you need to ship the construction workers to another place to build there. Um, again, the basic theory would say, well, these construction workers can retrain as manufacturing workers and hence would not be made worse off. But these frictionless uh, adjustments uh, that, that economic theory often, often assumes um, in practice doesn't work so well. Uh, the other thing is that information is part of, of trade and it's been shown that information flows across borders are a lot easier if there are workers that can move and if there's free movement. So that's particularly true for services. And so basically the free movement facilitates trade and services to, to an extent that this basic economic theory could not capture. And the third thing is for the individual worker, of course, it is it is a huge gain if that worker can move freely across borders and make the most with, with, with its skills. And so um, so there are distributional effects as well. You make the single market more efficient, but you also make it fairer by giving more people the chance to participate in the gains of free trade. Okay, so that's the economic theory. But Camino, there's more to this topic than the economics. There's the views of migration that differ significantly in the UK and in the rest of Europe on a much more political, on a much more cultural level. Why does that matter? It does matter for negotiations, as we were saying before. In the UK, people think, okay, in the European Union, people are also worried about migration. So that means that basically they have the same problems that we have with EU migration. Uh, the difference is that... Um, People here in the continents are worried about migrants coming from outside the European Union and they are worried about the effect of the refugee crisis, security concerns and all these sort of things. But they really appreciate uh, what they call free movement, so basically um, migration of European Union citizens. Um, in the UK, however, that's not the case and uh, there is uh, public concern. Uh, there is criticism um, on, on new migration. And th those attitudes sorry, are going to make um, negotiations a bit complicated because I think that the, the two parts are, are departing from different places. So um, I think it's very important for uh, both parties to understand uh, where the other one is coming from. Right, so finally, where do you see this going beyond Brexit? So can freedom of movement in Europe survive in the long term? Can Europeans take it for granted the way that it stands now if they don't compromise in the Brexit negotiations? Or do you think that it's likely that it will change in the long run? I think free movement has been taken for granted for a long time here on the continent. And uh, one of the reasons why is also because um, it has been very generously extended, so to speak, by the European Court of Justice. 
uh, was taking the role of lawmaker in this area. So it's basically uh, replacing some, some, some laws which were not agreed uh, by member states uh, by giving rights to, to EU citizens which uh, did not exist before. And I'm talking about uh, allowing some, some non-workers to access benefits, or, or giving some generous uh, terms to some people who maybe were not deserving them necessarily. And that has, uh, has, has made um, countries very wary of, of, of uh, some of, the, of these aspects of free movement, and governments have, been, have criticized um, what the European Court of Justice has been doing uh, in the past. Um, Luckily, this, uh, this tendency has, uh, has changed in recent years. The European Court of Justice is more aware of the fact that it cannot be as generous as it was in the past. Um, so governments have relaxed and have said, okay, maybe we should not have a huge reform of the movement rules because, you know, we're fine, access to benefits is now regulated and all these sort of things. Um, I do think that they would, they would, uh, they would uh, make a mistake if they do not reflect a little bit. On, on what changes are necessary uh, to make free movements uh, fair for everybody and to, to, to ensure that um, the European citizens are actually still behind free movements uh, in some years to come because we are facing a very um, difficult uh, situation uh, with populist parties pretty much everywhere in Europe uh, gaining traction. Um, so I don't think we can continue business as usual. I think some small reforms on access to benefits for non-workers, on um, the rules of uh, third country nationals uh, coming to Europe and others, um, other, other parts of the movement can be a good thing and can actually help saving the movements uh, for the future. And to learn more about what these kinds of reforms could be, people should really read your policy brief, what free movement means to Europe and why it matters to Britain on the CER website. Thank you both, Christian and Camino, for talking to me. And thank you at home for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, why don't you subscribe on iTunes? And you can also tweet at us with the hashtag CERpodcast. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. You can find more on our website, cer.org.uk, or follow us on Twitter at CER underscore London.